Welcome to the fourth episode of the Joseph M. Leather Podcast. Today I'm with a man who has helped a lot of beginner and struggling leather crafters. He has become the face of We The Leather Craft Supply and his videos have reached all over the world. So, welcome on the show, Chuck. Joseph, a pleasure to be here. Thank you for asking. Well, first of all, um, thank you for your help because you've helped me out with my leather craft by watching cool. your videos. That's what that to me is the payoff. It's, it's, I, I don't want to go on a rant and I'm bad about going on rants, but leather craft is literally an unlimited craft and you, you can start with virtually nothing, no experience mm. and very few tools and you can make some gorgeous products. Yeah. Uh, there was, um, one of my, one of my mates, he wanted me to make him a knife sheath cause he does, he does hunting and I didn't know how to make a knife sheath. So I watched that video of you showing how to make a knife sheath and I made a, I made a dual knife sheath. So I made a one sheath and then put like a leather stack in the middle and then put another sheath and stitched it together. Okay. And yeah, so I had no, absolutely no experience in knife sheaths and watched your video on that. Made him one. So yeah. So, so you happy with the way it came out? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's happy with it. It was sort of a, uh, rough, like because he because he, he he doesn't really care about the aesthetics, so to speak. He just wanted something for more durable. If someone with no cool. ex experience in nice sheets, so. yeah, that's excellent though. And that ninety to me about ninety nine point nine percent of first projects, folks are happy with, and that it's key. You know, it's key to to leading you into another project. But just it's a win win when you had a great time he loves it it looks good everybody's happy yeah 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 so um so how did you get into leather craft what's your it's, story it's funny i uh i went to college in east texas and texas has one of the biggest rent fairs in the country uh the thing is massive uh and we'll come back around to that but uh i was dating a girl who was a drama major and all the drama people worked at the rent fair uh, on the weekends in the fall to make extra money. So you had to have your own costume. Um, so I started playing with leather and I, uh, there was a saddle maker in Huntsville, Texas at that time. And I went in and I, I asked him, I said, sir, I have like five bucks, you know, can I have some scrap leather? And I had a little Ford courier pickup truck and he just about filled my bed full of scrap leather. <laughs> He was happy to get rid of it. He just freed up, you know, eight square feet of space in his shop. Yeah. Um, but he just dumped all that leather on me. And I just, you know, it kind of evolved. I started making stuff. But a bigger point is that that rent fair, a rent fair of that size, they draw the best of the vendors. So I was really exposed to just some magnificent creativity and workmanship uh, and I kind of got, I, I picked up a real love for the era, the, the era, uh, the period. So uh, that's kind of, I, I try to have to keep myself from making our videos, you know, that have more of a period lean to them because that kind of cuts off, you know, mo mainstream folks or folks that don't have a, you know, an interest there. But that's my real love in the craft uh, is making the period stuff. But uh, sometime through, uh, through college, Let's see, I got out of college, moved back to Georgia. I was born in Atlanta, moved back here, went to went to work for one of the large broadcasting companies. 
And uh, it was just a hobby on the side at that point. And eventually worked my way to uh, to to starting my own business. And, and we can we can circle back around to that. But yeah, yeah, I kind of just fell into it uh, and loved it right off the bat because mm-hmm. you can do so much. So what's a rain? What was it? A rain fair? Oh, a renaissance oh, fair. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay, yeah, I yeah. tend to get rolling, and my southern accent probably <laughs> doesn't help either. But yeah, just renaissance fairs. Or renaissance, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I've, I've seen, in some of your videos, I've, I've seen that you had, like, the the armor in yeah. the background. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, that's my real love, but I try to try to expand out from that for everybody else. Mm. Well, how strong was armor? Back in those eras, like leather armor, was it quite, could it withstand a sword or? I can't honestly tell you. I don't really, I've never gotten that deeply into it. My armor is it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, putting it up against those guys, that was their full-time job. Uh, the leather armor was more for the lower ranks. You know, yeah. the knights, they all wore the metal, but I've heard a comparison that a suit of armor in today's money would equal something like a Learjet. Uh, but the leather oh. armor, it was, you know, for the lower ranks, the archers, the horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was pretty widely used. It's just a lot of it didn't really survive the ages. Well, well a lot of people, well, probably most people know you as the, the guy from We the Leathercraft. So <laughs> how did you, like, what's your role at? At Weaver? Because I, I, when I remember when I first watched, I thought you were the owner of Weaver. And then there's only... <laughs> And that's a common, yeah. I, I get emails, you know, to Mr. Weaver from time yeah. to time. Um, I'm the, uh, I'm the Leathercraft product manager. That's my okay. official title. Yeah. Uh, so I toss in ideas of pro- products that we want to look for or create. Uh, I test a lot of the products, but really about 90% of my role has kind of morphed over into doing the videos. Um, yeah. We kind of feel like that's my, my, the perfect fit. You know, that's where I, I can do the most with what I've got. So, um, but I still do uh, get to pitch in some good ideas and I get to test a lot of stuff, you know, that comes through. So I love that. I love both sides of the job. It's a, it's the perfect job for me, at least. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do like the We The Leathercraft videos. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Very much so. I hope I try to make them to where... You know, even the even the absolute be absolute beginner can can at least get through it. You know, mm-hmm. and can create a project. It may not just be as perfect as the one in the video, mine or not. Um, but you know, can get through the video from start to finish, and come out with a product or project that they absolutely love, and and it will and it will drive them to okay, let's do another one, or you know, let's step over to another project. So I'm hoping that's the case. Mm. And, that, and that's the amazing, one of the amazing things about YouTube because I remember when I was in leather, when I first started into leathercraft, it's like you make a mistake and then you like you research or you have a question and you research and it's just you have so much information that you can find <laughs> help with. <laughs> it just makes you progress a lot more faster. And that's a good point. It's a, like a snowball effect. Mm. Uh, and the crafter community, like I said, we do a live. Uh, yeah, a live so like, every yeah every Wednesday at three East U.S. East Coast time at three. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it's you know it's just the the community of crafters is there i don't know if it's we breathe too much glue or top everybody is friendly and helpful and it's almost like a, a group feel that we all want to help everybody get better and and this and there's so many different avenues with it you know you've got different people who like different styles you know might be handbags wallets belts armor there's just you got people from so many different <laughs> yeah like merging yeah. together to to help each other it's good i was actually i was going to ask you about those live streams do you do you enjoy the live streams because you can actually get because where when you're making videos you can so you can't really it's when you when afterwards you make the videos you see the comments whereas with the live streams you get the you know I, people straight away probably, talking i love them they're they're stressful you know because it's you know I gotta, I gotta do something for an hour, you know, and it, and it better be interesting. And I, mm. I don't dance. I'm not a comedian. And I don't sing well. So, you know, I better do something good. But the funny thing is, is about four, maybe five minutes before we go on, the comments start coming in. And again, leather crafters. I mean, I'm immediately relaxed. And we go an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty minutes. And I almost feel like I have to rein it in, you know, okay, well, we need, you know, we need, let's stop because, but I, it just, the, the comments and the questions, everybody helps everybody else out. They're a lot of fun and you're exactly right. It's, um, I can talk to people, I can talk to people real time. The, the disappointing part is that we can't see and, and meet and shake hands and look at you know, each yeah. other's products and projects and, you, you know, sit down and eat and visit. Um, that's the only thing there that's missing. But, yes, you're exactly right. It's real-time connection. Man, that's a blast. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something about – oh, yeah, what, what's the most common question you would get on the live streams from people? Um, I might have to say I'm new. How do I get started? Yeah, that that seems to be and yay, I I couldn't be happier. You know, mm. come on in. The water is fine. Uh, but I think that's probably uh, one of the most common questions. And then we get the more obscure questions. And, uh, you know, common questions like uh, what order do I take my steps and whatnot. But I think overall it's uh, I'm new. How do I get started? And I'd love to roll on those. And everybody else probably, you know, oh, here he goes again. <laughs> yeah, but, but nonetheless, I, I'm so glad to see those kinds of questions. Mm. Oh, yeah, I know. It's when you, th when you think back to, like, you had to redo everything over again. It's quite simple. Like, the, the amount of tools that you would use is probably, like, even if he's making a wallet, probably at least five. And then you could find the rest in your probably shed, like hammer, you don't need a lot of tools to get started, which is it's not, it's not as daunting as if you're probably starting something, I don't know. Um, that's a good point. And yeah. That's one of the points I try to make often, and you hit it on the nose, like with wood. So you want to get into woodworking. Man, you got to buy planers and drill presses and jigsaws, and now you need electrical requirements and mm -hmm. you need ventilation, and you shop – Leathercraft, you can you can make beautiful 
anything on your kitchen table. Mm-hmm. You can hand sew, and it looks just like a machine stitch. Um, dyeing is a breeze if you even are going to dye. Uh, tooling and stamping, that's done on one square foot piece of quartz. So you're exactly right. It takes so little to get started. Mm. And, yeah, well, I remember when I started, I was starting in the lounge room on, like, a little table <laughs> that I made in, like, year 11, like a little bedside table with <laughs> Cool. And there was like leather everywhere. So yes, and that's the thing because it's like you know, if you have a Stanley knife, a cutting mat, a ruler, you know, they're, they're three basic. You can find like a soft, a soft mallet hammer. You know, they're four tools that you could find at your local hardware shop. But then it's just you know a scratch all, some um, stitching chisels, some needles, some thread, and you sort of that's a wallet right there. And you're no, on your that's, way. That's, that's not you're exactly right. Most of that we already have in our house. Mm. Well, I, I use a Stanley knife and just a cut, and it works fine. So I've taken is. a lot of heat on uh, on that, and because the round knife or the head knife, that's the knife you cut leather with. Mm-hmm. Old school, age old, and I came in with a box cutter, <laughs> but I, t- I, and I've mentioned this, I would. And not in a, you know, arrogant way, but I'd like to have a contest with somebody with a good round knife or a head knife. Let's cut something complicated like a star. And you know what? Let's just see how it goes. You know, mm. let's just see what happens because the, the box knife, man, it just, it it's comfortable. I don't have to sharpen it. The blades are inexpensive, quick and easy to change. Man, that's all I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah, the the round that's that that's that half shape knife, is it the yeah. round knife? Yeah, I've used one of them before, and it's, it just feels uncomfortable. Like there's just there's so much blade to it. That scares it's me. Just, now the guys, the old school guys that know that know how to use them, they say once you go round, you never go back, because mm-hmm. um, it's three tools: uh, skiver for cutting, and you can use it as an edger. Yeah, not me, but yeah. you can. Um, Man, I, I tell you what, the tools to get started is just virtually nothing. And most of it you probably already have at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so – yeah, even today. And I think that when you, when you do buy the, um, you know, tools like, you know, a roller or a wing divider or something like that, they're more of like specific, specific tools that like you do like a few things with where it's like the beginner tools, you sort of use them for like, ev- like use them more often than more of the other tools, which are, that, yeah. Excellent question. You're exactly right. Once you pass, once you get up to speed, like you've got a revolving punch and you got to buy that. And I would say you've got to buy your marble, your quartz. Yeah. Once you kind of get these basics down, then everything you buy is job specific. If mm. you want to set snaps, you need a setter. Or you want to do tooling, you need your six basic set. You want to dye top coat. So yeah, from that point, you kind of pick and choose which direction you want to go. Yeah, the the marble slab that that literally when I got that that completely changed. I could do skiving so much better. Like my skiving dramatically improved when I was using a marble. Good. Compared to using a, a um, a uh, like a cutting mat, like trying to skive on that is just oh, terrible. Man. 
I'm with you. The the courts is is to a leather shop what a campfire is to a campsite. Yeah, it's, it's the center. Yeah, it's and I, it's just awesome to have a thick slab of marble just just there. Oh man, yeah, and this is a every on our live every week we do a shop or a crafter fail, which you know everybody can pitch in their their mess ups or goofs for the week, but. My uh, I had this beautiful marble slab. It was three inches thick by twelve by twenty four inches, and moving my shop, it slid out of the moving truck and just shattered into oh. about eighty pieces. Oh, man. man, uh, but the one foot by one foot, more than adequate for everything. Yeah, mm. yeah, I've got the little one, the little. I think it's six by six because I think the shipping went <laughs> went yes. right up when I put the it's twelve marbles. by twelve. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Um, now here's a hint, and the boss is going to go. Don't say that. Um, marble countertop shops. Yeah, I was uh, thinking that. Yeah. Yes, and they're happy to give away pieces, or if you buy one, it's like two bucks. The only downside with these is that they're not going to have a beveled edge which is a real problem. Yeah. Um, if you flip your project to set a snap or a rivet, you're going to scrape, you're going to trash that project face. So you can go that route, you know, to kind of get up to speed. But I would say your quartz is one, it needs to be one of your first purchases. Okay. Yeah, I would have thought that, but yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, it's with me. I'm kind of teetering. You know, I work for Weaver, but at the same time, I'm a craft person. You know, mm. and it's kind of a thin line to walk sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I would you? I would say probably a scarving knife is such a help as well because then you can, you don't you don't have to worry about leather weights as much because you can just scar. Actually, I found this. The, I use the French edger. I, okay. I've been using the French ed, edger a lot. Because if I'm using two to three ounce leather, it's hard to skive it with a skiving knife. Oh, yeah. And it's sort of like a, whereas if you get the French edger, that's just like a, a cheap way just to bang, 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 bang along the edges. It's so much quicker. It's <laughs> a like, great tool. It's an it's one of those more obscure tools. It's kind of mm. not in the mainstream category. Yeah. But you're exactly right. We, have actually, we actually have three sizes of them. Yeah, I've got the size six. Cool. Okay. Mm. Mm. Excellent. That's exactly how you should be using that. Good. Mm. But yeah, it's uh, it's just like a cheap way just to sky skyving is fun. Like there is a nice little finesse to it, and when you get in the routine, it's just the, <laughs> it's very satisfying to see it nice. But sometimes it's just you know just get the French edger and it's a lot quicker. It's very clean. It's very easy to use. Yeah, and, and it's. The the bowed blade on the basic hand skiver, man, I avoid that. Not really. You can use it. It just you got to use it a little bit at a time. Our thought is to dig in hard and yank. But if you're kind of more finesse than brute force, you'll have a, a more consistent taper. Yeah. Yeah. So what do what do what products do Weaver look to buy? Do you have much input on? what they bring into the shop or yeah uh okay. vendors will send us new items or new designs uh, we'll look for items or designs the two biggest points first off is quality 
And that's, mm-hmm. I've, I've never worked for a company that, that stresses quality so much, but both in product and people, it's, it's a, I'm, I'm exceptionally happy with be, um, with Weaver being there. Um, the, everybody's happy. I mean, it really, I, I work from home. Let me explain that. I, re, I work remotely. Uh, but on the few chances I get to go up there lately and I haven't been in a long time, it is just one big building of happy people. It really is. Um, so the quality there, but also in the product, and this is a sales pitch. Absolutely. But, um, that's the one thing we look for is quality. And secondly, I would say usefulness, Mm -hmm. um, usefulness and to the crafter or the professional weather worker. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a couple, there's some of the tools I got from Weaver and I remember you did a video on, on different, uh, beveling blades and you, you get that, you go to the typical leather shop and you get that number three, it's just that <laughs> absolutely shocking one. It's just you put it on along the side of your leather work and it's like <laughs> <laughs> It's sky leather. Oh, man. But yeah, yeah. I like the I use the number zero for the weaver and it's just so smooth. Yeah, I I think that's what I do like about weaver, where it's like you you can probably get your basics straight up. Like I, if I had to restart over, yeah, it'd be very easy just to because it, it, it is very daunting because when i remember when i first went into a leather shop i had literally no idea and i just picked up tools that looked familiar in videos and then okay and yeah but yeah, you look back and yeah so that, that's the good thing i like about weaver that you do have um some good products and you have a whole a whole range of things as well which is good it's just the shipping it's not free to Australia. That's the only thing. That, yeah. I know. And we are constantly working on that. We we don't really have any any sway over like import taxes and tariffs. Yeah, that's the uh, thing. Yeah. And the shipping, yes. But but just know that we are always um every business has become international, you know, yeah. over the last decade. And a lot, a lot of companies are, you know, trying to struggle to keep up with that. Mm. Um, not so much in in the ship in the demand, but kind of just coming up to speed with how we do this. You know, what's yeah. the best way to get the product to the customer most timely fashion and the least expense? Um, so we're, but no, we're always working on that. We yeah, really no. are. No, that, yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we have folks that are do nothing but work on international wow. setup and shipping. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just, you think back 10 years ago and I, the, the online market has just exploded as well. It's the right word. That's exactly and, the right word. And I, I, this is probably what I'll, I'll talk about a bit later about, um, like being in the leather craft business, you're, you're competing with, everyone else in the world now like you're not competing with the the leather crafter down the street or the you know it's it's just a a worldwide um competition now um this is probably a a good question do you think leather craft has got popular has got popular recently so probably over the past six years i would yeah I, okay, so in the last nine months extremely so but that nobody saw coming 
But this is a funny story. I used to work for a retail leather store, and I'm not going to name them because they're our direct competitor now. Um, but from time to time, somebody would see some of my work, and I, typically probably tools, you know, a tool pouch or whatever, and they'd say, oh, wow, what a lost art. And my next statement is always, come to my store on a Friday or a Saturday or a Monday or a Wednesday, you are not going to see a dying craft. You are going to yeah. see a vibrant craft. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many possibilities. You know, we like if we want to make our own briefcase or holster or belt, there are so many products that that uh, so many genres of folks, you know, can can make for themselves or want to make for themselves. Um, it's funny too. We tend to see a lot of folks come come back to leather craft. Um, and I almost am in this category, but but I've seen this quite often. Anyway, the point is that sometime in high school or Boy Scouts or junior high, we worked on a leather bracelet or we did something, you know, in, in class. Um, well, by the time we get to maybe our, our early to mid-30s, you know, we're probably married, we're kids, uh, we've got a mortgage, you know, our career is starting to take off. We, we're looking for a hobby. We're looking for... And a lot of people come back into the leather craft because they remember fond memories, you know, growing up and working on the leather and what you could do with it. And the second time we see a lot of people come in are at retirement, uh, both for a hobby and as a way to make some extra money. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a just a cute story and it makes me I tear up every time. Uh, when I was at this leather store, I gentleman came in he's much past retirement and i'd known him a little bit here and there but his wife had passed come to find out she handled all the uh the finances and had two mortgages on the house and one was just recent and he's he was broke i mean bless his heart he said i don't i don't know what i'm going to do but he said i'm going to try to start selling some leather craft i didn't really think about it we helped him out absolutely always but i didn't really think about it but maybe a year or two years later i saw him his heart is so long ago. I can't remember his name now. Uh, he was at one of the really big uh, flea markets here in Georgia. We've got some big ones here. I mean, they're a professional to do. And he said, Chuck, he said, I paid off both mortgages. I bought a new car. Wow. I got my retirement going. Bless his heart. He, he ran with that. And he was in a booth that was full of belts. He'd stamp your name on your belt while you waited. And I almost can remember his name, but what a cool story. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. What is your favorite leather to use? A veg tan. Yeah, like you were saying, and you're the same way, veg tan. It's yeah. because you can do so much with it. Now, not to knock, you know, chromes. I, I do a little sewing, but I'm, I've just always been veg, you know, and uh, typically hand sew. Um, hand sewing on a good veg tan is just gorgeous, mm-hmm. you know. Chromes, not so much, and again i machine so but man i just like the veg it just yeah. there's so much you can do with it yeah could could you explain the differences between a veg tan and a chrome tan for someone probably who doesn't absolutely the, so yeah. so a vegetable tan leather let me start up with the chrome tan because we'll come back to to the veg so a chrome tan is high chromium salts these are the lighter weight leathers that are typically tanned for garment and upholstery. So chrome tan, garment, upholstery. That's for our sofas, car seats, clothing, purse, bag, some. Um, it's usually supple. 
we usually it's 99.9% of the time it's colors. We have uh, prints embossing like reptile, lizard. Um, but when we jump over to veg tan, uh, all right, let me back up. With the chrome tan, I typically call it cut and sew because we're going to cut it and we're going to sew it into sofas or whatever. So when we jump over to veg tan, now we can, we've got a leather that typically, not always, and I, I'll mention this, but it's typically kind of a pinkish color. This is called a natural veg tan or yeah. vegetable tan or veggie tan. Um, now we dye it. So basically the tannery has said, okay, we're going to tan this leather up to this point. At this point, it's up to you. So we can take it when we, with the veg tan, we can wet it and becomes very pliable so we can mold it into shapes. Uh, we just released a video on a, a molded cell phone case and you can do this with your fingers. You don't need equipment. Um, with the veg tan, because again, when you, when you wet it, it becomes very pliable. Uh, you can stamp it, and there's thousands of unbelievably cool stamp decorations. You can stamp in braids, and oh, I won't even go into that. Or you can tool it, okay? So now you can let that dry. It's going to retain that stamp or that form. Now you can add dye to that, and dyeing is a breeze. Watch any of our videos. Mm -hmm. um, now I can antique it if I want to, which is just, it's like a paste that you rub on, and it'll sink down into the natural blemishes and range marks and tooling and stamping, and it's going to give it kind of a used antique look. Then you can drop a top coat on it. What this is going to do is it's going to it's going to give the leather a little bit of a gloss. It's going to take it from being very flat to very finished, very professional looking. It's going to enrich in your dye color. You can add paint, spots, eyelets, grommets, rivets, clips, buckles hooks and there's uh, and i mean there's with those combinations there's unlimited possibilities yeah. with the same pouch design literally mm -hmm. unlimited yeah yeah that's that's the remarkable thing about the the buckles it's just on yeah. and on and on and on that it does doesn't it yeah but yeah, yeah i guess after that rant i would probably say the vet natural veg tan is my favorite leather to work with yeah yeah. So when you when you do dye, because I'm not, I don't really, I don't really dye, so I'm not really a big expert on it. So when you after you do dye, should you condition it? Condition it straight afterwards because it's like will the dye dry out the leather or? That's a actually a very good question. Um, there are a number of types of dyes. Like there's a water based, uh, there's an alcohol based, there's a pro dye. I am pro dye only. Now here's the difference. So. With your standard leather dye on the on the front, Fibings in particular, it's my favorite brand. On the front, it's just going to say leather dye. It's good, but that that's an alcohol carrier, and it's a powder-based dye stuff. All right, I'll explain that. With a powder-based dye stuff, that powder is not always going to sink or wick in, so a little bit's going to remain on the surface. That's what creates rub off. Okay, it's not terrible, but that's part of it. Now, the alcohol, it's it's going to stiffen the leather because you're right, it's going to dry it out. But also, the, the alcohol dyes tend to go a little bit darker. They tend to have a little bit of a, like say your browns, you're going to have kind of a reddish or maybe a yellow tint to them. Um, so when we jump over to what's called the pro dye, and literally on the label it says pro dye, 
Now we've got an alcohol carrier, but we've got a an, an oil-based dye stuff. So therefore, you're getting a little bit of oil back in that leather. Now, not huge amounts, but at the same time, that oil is going to wick better than a powder will, a powder dye stuff. So therefore, it's going to get it's going to get deeper penetration. It's going to be more consistent, um, and you're the the leather is going to feel almost like it did before you dyed it. It's gonna okay. it's not real. You're going to get a little stiffening. It's mm-hmm. just it is what it is. Um, but the pro dye, I tell you, once you go that way, you'll never go back. It's mm-hmm. so easy to get it consistent. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I in my early days, I was dyeing leather and. I did find the Prodile was a lot more better at actually getting into the leather as more of the water-based dyes. Like the water-based dyes sort of, they sat on top of the leather and it was hard to get it get it in, whereas the oil base just goes straight through. That You're exactly right. And that's why I'm not real big on the water-based dyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just don't wick. Yeah. We've got some pretty colors and some water-based, and I've used them, did a video on them here recently, mm-hmm. and it was really pretty, actually, all told. Yeah. It, they were some really pretty dyes. A lot of the folks, like, say, on the west coast of the U.S., they have very strict environmental laws. They can't get the uh, either dye, mm-hmm. so they have to go with water-based dyes and mm-hmm. water-based top coats and water-based adhesives, and I just think they're I just don't think they're as good as the solvent-based and the dyes as good as the pro dye. Anymore though, it's a, it's yeah, a long it's, process to do. It's just like I just get it pre-dyed. That's but so no, much easier. It takes a bunch of. It takes a big step out. Yeah. And some big worry too. You know, yeah. will it be consistent or stiff or dark or the wrong color? Hmm. But no, it is a. That's the thing. You can then you can airbrush it. It's just that's the. Yes. You can just do all sorts of things. Uh, Yeah, airbrush is supposed to be the best way to apply dye and top coat. And a lot of the big saddle companies will use airbrushes. I've just never, I've got one. And Mm -hmm. I've just never really come up to speed with it because I dip dye and it's so fast and easy. And yeah, so, but, but you're right. I mean, that's just, that's a whole additional avenue of possibilities. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, my, my favorite leather is a uh, bridal leather. Like, I just... Oh, man, yes. I I remember I, I first started out with... I was using kangaroo... Well, I was using vegetable tan dyeing it, but then I went on to kangaroo leather. Yeah. And, oh, uh, boy. It wasn't very popular. When I was selling some wallets, it wasn't very popular kangaroo. But it's, that was... It was oh, handy because... It, it was handy because it was like it's just a small hide. Like it's not very. That's the well. That's the downside to it is that it is a quite small hide to use kangaroo. But yeah. it is it is a it is a really nice leather though. It is the best lace leather ever. If you're going to do edge lacing or bull whips, um, uh, the the hawkers, the folks that that hunt with hawks, uh, the helms, the little helmet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And the tethers, mm-hmm. uh, those are all kangaroo because it's exceptionally strong. Yeah. For the is. for the thickness of it, mm-hmm. it to me it's the best ever for hand lacing. Yeah. Hands down. And it's because it can be used for a liner as well. That's a, oh that's sure. One. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, it's very expensive. Um, oh, is it? For us, maybe. 
you know, yeah. for us, it's very expensive. A spool of uh, a spool of kangaroo is it's pretty steep, but worth every penny. Maybe I should sell some kangaroo hides. I think. So here you go, some roo. Yeah. If you, um, so what was this lace? Is that when they, so they get the hide and they go around it and it's sort of, they make that long strip of it. Is that what you're talking yeah. about? Okay. Yeah. Just, uh, the lace for edge lacing or, um, common in latigo suede, the roux and, uh, there's some synthetics as yeah. well. Yeah. But I love the edge lacing. It is yeah. beautiful. I just don't have the mentality to do it because it is exceptionally tedious. Mm-hmm. Man, it, it makes oh, hands yeah. so fast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen the edge lacing. It's yeah, it's not, it's not my style. I, I couldn't do it. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. I've got some on a holster, and yeah. I did a purse, a bag for my mom, and I did the, the full throat. I, uh, let's mm-hmm. see if it, it was about 30... Maybe 36 inches of sewing with the gussets and the front and the back. And I think that probably took five hours. Wow. Oh, looks great, but <laughs> looks good because I'm not doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I used to work at a company and they used to, um, yeah, like go around the outsides to get all the edges off. And they used to weave belts from it. Oh, man. The uh, kangaroo. Wow, yeah. no kidding. Hmm. But yeah, I used to, because, you see, so I was using kangaroo, but then, because I, I love the, I remember I got some bridal leather, and I made some belts with it, and I just, oh. I just loved it, because the shine on it, all that sort of stuff, and then, because it was at that time where, I didn't, I didn't know about you could actually get it split, and then once I found that there was companies that actually sell, sell split bridal leather, it's like, yeah, I'm buying that, because it's. It's just a gorgeous leather. Oh, it is. It is. That might be my number two. We sell some English bridal. Yeah. And I think it's the chocolate and the chestnut are the prettiest leather colors I have yeah. ever seen. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you hit them with a top coat, do a leather bump top coat, they just pop. And you can stamp them. Yeah. So, so wow, what, is, no what, kidding. what is a top coat? Because I've never used a top coat before. Okay. My favorite is leather balm. Okay. It's got a little wax in it. So what a what a there's conditioners, there's top coats and their finishes. Mm-hmm. But they're kinda sorta so you got conditioners that may have some oil in them or some wax, and that's you know, if you want to condition an old belt. Then you have top coats, which are you can call them sealants, but they're really not, because we can't really seal leather. Now, we can get pretty close. Uh, and then finishes are are main, mainly aesthetic. So, like, say, with a leather balm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to rub some on with a rag, and it literally it's this easy. Rub some on it with a rag, give it a couple of seconds to dry to wick in, and then buff it with another dry rag. That's going to enrich in the dye color, and it's going to give it a low gloss. If you ever pick up a bottle of this and you do it, you're going to flip because all of a sudden your leather looks just like the leather at a store. It's got that beautiful, rich gloss to it. Mm. Yeah, that, that's that's the bridal leather that I love. Like the, the one that I have 
for the belts that I make. It just has the, the sheen on it. It's just okay. But the 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 the, the, the thinner one that I have is it's not. It's just it's more of a matte finish. Yeah. Okay. So if I can get a so I was looking, I'm on the Weave website. Okay. It's the B nat is it the B natural RTC? Uh, look for the leather balm. In fact, if you just put in leather and then B A L M. Okay. And yeah. I think we've got it in four ounce and quartz. Four ounce will last you. Oh, the the Phoebings? Yeah. Phoebings okay. uh leather balm with atom wax. Yeah. And I use that I think in every video, which I should not do. I should try different products, you know? But when you have one that does everything you want it to, you know, it's hard to move around. Yeah, if it isn't broke. Don't fix that, it. Exactly right. But that's the wrong attitude for me in my position. I should be trying everything in the shop. Yeah. So is it more of a natural? It's a natural color. It's It looks kind of like milk. Yeah. Um, and so what it's going to do is enrich in the color you've already got. Okay. Yeah. And it gives, I'm not real big on the real high gloss. Uh so I like a nice low gloss. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, look at any one of our videos where we're dyeing something and you'll see exactly what I'm using. And yeah. boy, it's beautiful. Yeah. Put it on your uh, put it on your skin. Make your skin pop. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> it, evidently that doesn't work. Oh, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I have dye adhesive and leather balm on every piece of clothing I own. Yeah. Do, well, do you have to wear gloves when you apply or? It's no, it's, no, it's water-based. I think it's water-based. Mm -hmm. uh, so no, no ventilation need. It actually smells nice. Yeah. I, no. My favorite top coat is a Sadillac. It's called Sadillac. Yeah. It's just, I don't use it. I stopped using that when I started doing the videos because you've got to have great ventilation with it. It's a lacquer base. Okay. Um, and it's got a couple, it, there's two tricks that you've got to do to make it work. Um, so I jumped over to the leather balm, man, to be honest with you, I almost don't want to go back to the, the Sadillac if I need to. Yeah. That was mm. my go-to. Yeah. And that's the thing as well. Like when you, when you, I find it's easier to have like specific, like if you can have one thing for a specific use, it just that declutters your whole workspace. Like you can find, <laughs> if you can find the product that you like, it just, you know, That's whether right. it's glue or conditioner, it's just, easier. yeah. And, and, and you I, don't run out of something. And I guess that's probably, that makes it cheaper as well. Like, yeah, such a cheap craft to get into. It's, it's remarkable. Um, this will be a good one. What type of products do you make? I can just imagine just the... <laughs> <laughs> the wealth of knowledge. The Man, I'll make anything I can. Yeah. Uh, I'll, like I said, I tend to like the period stuff, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, nothing like making a good gun belt or a pair of chaps or saddlebags or purse or bag. Um, man, there's just, it's funny because I, on my, on my list, I keep a running list of like leather element ideas, which Leather element uh, is like an eight to maybe six to ten minute tricks and tips. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we intersperse those with actual project videos. Um, man, forgot where I was. What was I saying? <laughs> I knew that was Le- eventually going to happen. Leather, le- leather element, eight to ten minute project well, about videos. about what kind of leather? Uh, what products I make? Is that where we were? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. But purse and bag. I, okay, here's a really funny one. And this, I got some samples out earrings so my boss says hey let's you know why don't you kick around an idea doing some doing a video on some earrings thought man really i made a pair and then made another pair and then another pair and what happened was the ideas came in so fast i couldn't make earrings fast enough to get to get all the ideas i wanted so man to be honest with you I will just make anything I can, anything I think that can be made out of leather. Yeah, I want to make a uh, like a classical English bridal briefcase. Oh, what man. would be your tips for like a classic? Like you think of like the nineteen forties, those sorts of just un- unlined, probably unlined, because I feel like if you do unlined, just like extra labor, which is you know bump up the price a bit. So like. What would yeah. you recommend for a classic? Man, I don't. I think you've got. You can line it or not. If you want to put pockets on the inside, you need to line it. Mm-hmm. But all told, there's. It's not necessary. Like, and you hit it right on the nose. First off, you're doubling your leather use. Your your cost. Um, lining is a breeze. And again, we've got a good video on lining. It's. I line everything the same way. Over, overcut, glue, trim the size. Um, man, I don't, oh, that's going to be beautiful. Joseph, that's going to be beautiful. Man, yeah, no need to line if you don't. Like, how thick would you go for a briefcase like that? I'll probably have to find a photo for you, actually. Man, it's really your call. It depends on kind of what style you like. Do you want one that's maybe will slouch a little bit, you know? Um, or do you want something that's got a good rigid feel to it? Uh, my briefcase, and it's probably, well, actually we did a video on, on making a briefcase. Um, I'm using two chromes. Let's see, I'm using a face leather that's about a three to four ounce and a backing of standard suede, which I think is either three to four or four to five ounce. So all told it's coming out maybe in the seven to eight, maybe seven to eight, eight to nine ounce range. But because I'm using a chrome, it's not so rigid, but it's got some good body to it nonetheless. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if with that bridle, man, I might I might not go as high as a, an eight to nine, but then too, if you're gonna add pockets, it'd be best. Go ahead. Look at that. Oh man, something like that, seven to eight ounce. Um. Man, seven to eight ounce, because that would work for your strapping, mm-hmm. uh, your main body, your gussets. The handle, the trunk handle, you could use a seven to eight ounce, eight ounce on that. And your oh, gut, yeah. Like, yeah, you your could. Yeah. Well, you could, well, you could scribe it. There's the there's pockets. Oh, there. man, look at that. Yeah, it would just, boy, that's nice. That's a nice touch. Um, 
Yeah, two weights would be best. Mm-hmm. Or maybe a a single larger pocket out of the large. Uh, it's kind of a proportional thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the bigger the project, the less eight to nine ounce feels thick. Yeah. The smaller, the the more it does. Boy, that's beautiful. And with some bridle, yeah, oh, dude. man, you're going to nail it. <laughs> Yeah, um, what was I gonna say? It's oh, so when you put there along the top, I've noticed that some people have to put like a do you have to put like a metal, uh, like a metal strip oh. like along the top just to stop it from flexing, or is that not really necessary? It's a cool touch. It, you know, if you've got a real soft leather. Um, mm-hmm. You know, every time you put it down, it's just going to crumble. Yeah. Um, and when you carry it, it's going to carry kind of odd. It's going to drape weirdly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I tell you, with a veg, you know, maybe a seven, eight ounce, that's going to have more than enough body. And the way you're dropping the hand, or they they're dropping the handle in there, you know, maybe a third in from each, maybe a quarter in from each side. You're kind of distributing that weight. Mm-hmm. Um. My briefcase, I don't, I don't have any, I didn't put anything in and it droops a little bit when I'm carrying it, but not bad, not enough to be a problem to me. Yeah. But you know, boy, what a nice detail. Yeah. Cause I've seen some people, they usually use like two metal rollers, like they'll just stick them together and stick it like up there. Is there a way that you can... What, what do people usually use for that metal piece we, at the top? Um, here, and I'm, I'm, I can't imagine it's any different there. Uh, any hardware store has uh, what's called bar stock. It's just blank blanks of metal. Um, like uh, any width, say okay. quarter inch up to three inches wide by, I don't know, eighth inch thick maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're sold in probably four foot pieces or 36 inch. Anyway, something along there. I use a lot of those in my shop, yeah. um, just for straight edges, you know, just if I don't need to measure, I need to cut, but you, that would be an easy way to go and relatively inexpensive. Yeah. So this bar stocks. Bar yeah. Stocks. It's just a bar of steel. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah, you have the additional help of the hardware store to help you out if you need anything. You know, yeah. Um, No, thanks for that. I love you. I love your enthusiasm with the about like the crafts. It's just, I think that's that's what makes your videos so helpful. That you're so passionate about what you do. That's it's a it's I I know I. I, I try, I can't, I feel like I can't say enough that, you know, you, anybody can do this. And if I can do it, anybody can, and you can make so many cool things, uh, mm-hmm. you know, ah, I just, I feel like I can't say that often enough or loud enough that you need so little to get started. And yeah. with that, so little, it's like the acorn in the oak tree, you know, yeah. it's just, it can explode and it's therapeutic and it's fun and you get to make your own things. And the cool part too 
is like, say you make a new belt or a briefcase or a pouch or phone case. I guarantee you, you the first day at work, you, you wear that, you're going to get a compliment on it. And mm-hmm. that's just like dessert on top of in, enjoying designing it, you know, adding your, all your flair, your design, your pockets where you want them. Uh, there's, it's just literally, there's so, it's a win, 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 you know, there's no downside. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Probably the next question would be, so you owned your own business. So what sort of, what did you do? Tell me a bit about it. Yeah, I uh, uh, started a business. Uh, there's a company east of uh, Atlanta mm-hmm. uh, that sells swords and armor and whatnot. And a friend of mine worked for him and said uh, they were having a hard time getting leather products in. So I went out there and met them, met with them, and it just, you know, as a side job, just as they gave me a big PO. <laughs> I mean, a lot of money. So I took that back to the, to my house. And I mean, I was working on my kitchen table. Uh, I did, Oh boy, just unhappy through that whole thing. Cause I'd never done production, you know, and like, uh, they had one product that had nine straps on each one. It was a, what's called a rapier carrier had uh, nine, 18 straps on each one, and I think I had to ship 36 of them. So hundreds of billets. And so I just, you know, at about the time I got that order done, I, I remember saying, man, I ain't ever touching another piece of leather. And then I, so I delivered that order. They were they were so happy with it. They gave me another purchase order, and oh, man. Uh, so, yeah, so anyway, I did it on the side for a, a year or two until I got to a point where I just couldn't, I was staying up late every night and every weekend. So anyway, I jumped over, started my own business called the Dorset house. And, uh, I kind of centered more on the period stuff, you know, uh, Renaissance era products, but I did a lot of, uh, like bag tags for golf, golf and, uh, country clubs. Uh, members would get their name on their tag. So I did a lot of those country clubs across the south and a couple of larger entertainment companies i do like watch pockets i do 100 watch pockets for a company that were giving them away and stuff like that so uh that's probably where the majority of my my tricks come from is the fact that i had to you know i had to keep that handmade feel but i really had to speed things up you know mm-hmm. you, it's hard to it's hard to make a living on handmade products yeah. um so there's, you know, there's ways you can work around it to where you don't cost quality, mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time, you still keep that, you know, it's handmade. It, it's really handmade. So yeah. that's where a lot of my tricks and tips have, have come from. Mm. And I guess that's where we're like, you get dyes like pre like made for you. So just to, you know, because when you're sitting there, if you have to individually cut every piece of leather, it's a very long time. Whereas if you just have a dye and yeah. a clicker press, it's just like, but you can still keep that handmade. Um, That's right. Yeah. Into it, especially if you're burnishing, like you know, a lot of a lot of the mainstream companies don't even burnish. It's just like folded edge uh, leather. Yeah. <laughs> so, I uh, I bought a belt, and this is a great story. You know, for anybody that's new to the craft or belt makers, or mm-hmm. I uh, we have a big Western store chain here. And my wife owns a horse, so we're not necessarily Western, but we kind of lean that way a little bit. Anyway, yeah. I saw a belt, and I make belts. You know, mm-hmm. I should be embarrassed that I'm buying a belt, not 
because it was beautiful. It was. It had a nice buff, like a chrome buff, um, beautiful edge lacing. It was just gorgeous. So I bought it. I'm not kidding. Joseph, in within six weeks, the tongue wow. had, had bent forward and had broke. The leather had cracked across the back, and the oh. thing was stuffed with cardboard. It was oh. too... It was ridiculous, and I paid like 80 bucks for this belt. Wow. I was real unhappy. I even wrote the company, you know. <laughs> so, but, you know, with us, we make a belt, and it's going to last probably longer than we will. Mm. Nice, thick, bridal leather. Oh, man, yes. Mm. I love the bridal. You're exactly right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's frustrating because I took apart a – I did a YouTube video where I just took apart a, a – mass-produced wallet, just sort of comparing it to, like, with a, what billfold did I make? And with, okay. with, a, with, with a billfold that you make, it's so simple. you got, like, you got your tea pockets. It's just solid leather all the way through, bit of linen for the thread and yep. and burnishing, and that, that that's it. When I opened up this mass-produced wallet, it was just – there was cardboard in it to keep, like, the stiffness. You know, you got, like, all the uh. – not even sure if it's a nylon, you know, for the lining. It's just – just the effort to make something like that is just, and the rolled edges, and it's just, I mean, you might as well just, you're better off just making a handmade wallet. It's just a lot more simpler, and you have the leather all the way through. You're exactly right, and I bet yours, hands down, beautiful, well-made, clean, and you put, you know, what pockets do you want? Where do you want your pockets? And, you know, you make it right to your specs. Mm. And the when you burnish it as well, like the the edges like harden up. It's like they, I like that feeling where the edges just feel solid. Oh man, I bet it came out beautifully. Good. Yeah. What are some tips for owning your own business? What would you? Because yeah, the market today is just is international. You go on social media, you type in leathercraft, and you just get bombed with all this beautiful work from people. What would be the tips for? The one thing I can say is that competitiveness is, I don't necessarily know if that's so much the problem. As long as you have a a unique product that's well-made, you're easy to deal with, you communicate, you ship in a timely manner, what will happen is you're just like we were talking about Leathercraft snowballing, your business will start to snowball. Because mm-hmm. one person will tell another person will tell another one. Now we've got reviews and whatnot. I almost I can't tell you how much weight I put into reviews. You know? Yeah. But if you talk to somebody that you know that said, Hey, I talked to this and the point is you start to build a following and thus basically your following becomes your customer base and yeah. it increases. But I think the biggest is that you have a a, a well-designed product that's well-made mm-hmm. and you're easy to deal with, you communicate and you ship in a timely manner, you can't go wrong. You yeah. can't go wrong. It'll start It'll start slow. It will. But with Leathercraft too, um, I tell a lot of folks, you can, you can go to a f- flea market, which is that familiar to you? Is a flea market familiar? Would that just be like a normal farmer's market? Like a market yeah. store? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Every flea market in Georgia has a leather guy, you know, and craft fairs are typically your table fees are very inexpensive. Yeah. Um, 
there's all <clears throat> kinds of ways, and of course online, absolutely. But with these, with these markets, it's a face-to-face -face thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. they see that you're friendly, that you have a passion, that you made these. You know, they're not just coming out of a machine. <laughs> so those are fun to do. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's. I think it's really a. Again, your quality, your uniqueness, you know, there's a couple of factors in there that if you nail those, you can't fail. Mm. Yeah, I, I, def I definitely agree with the, the market one because I I want to get back into doing markets because it is such a huge, it's, it's very under uh, underestimated because you, you do have your customers right there and that's probably like perfect for word of mouth. They see you. Yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's great. And also yeah, with, with Leathercraft as well, about... Um, stall fees as well usually if you do sell a wallet or something like that they, that usually that would usually cover the 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 stall fee right there like just yep. one wallet which is handy it's not like you're selling you know yeah. balloons or something like that way you have to sell 100 <laughs> balloons to make your to make your um to cut even usually it's just one wallet and that will cover the cost of the stall yeah so, and their flea markets are cheap i've you know, there's mm -hmm. some big ones and some small ones, but I mean, a booth for a day, I don't know if it's like 20 bucks or something, mm. you know? So, and yeah. like you said, you know, you get to, you get a face to face with people that I, I feel like we're losing that. Yeah. It's so important. Do you, do you like making leather or teaching leather craft? Man, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, Man, I can't. I don't know. I don't know if I can give you an answer because yeah. I want nothing I like more than hanging out in the shop. And you're probably the same way, you know. Yeah. Just working on something fun. Um, mm. But I like to teach because leather tends to draw really fun people. I know. I, I don't know if that's anything. There's any science behind that, but just I, I've taught classes for maybe ten years now. Mm -hmm. And they're just a lot of fun. They're yeah. just a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's the that's the fun side of it as well. Because when you when you go from I've never taught leather craft. Would be cool to be able to do it. Um, when you go from teaching people, and then when or I guess when I've when I've done YouTube videos, where you go from like teaching people, you know, tips or like how to make a product, and then you go back to make something yourself. It's like you're back in the trenches again. Like where you, we, you know, I can just think of when I was first into leathercraft, you just go through that grinding stage where, you know, I remember there was times when I was out in the shed at nighttime and it was like freezing cold. My hands were like shaking and it's just, <laughs> you're back. But when you go back, when you go back, it's just like you and you're just, you know, back in the trenches again, making leather. It's uh, all those memories. It's, it's great. It is. And I sometimes, it's funny you say that. I sometimes miss the days of simply working out of a toolbox on my kitchen table. You mm. know, I've got a big shop full of just everything. And yeah. yeah. Which is great. You know, that's great. But like you said, that, that was a good time. Mm. That was a good time. And something that's funny too, is that when you're new at leather and you, t you kind of tend to lose this, but when you're new at leather, you're typically surprised at how your project came out. You know, yeah. you kind of you kind of nailed it on the die, or you know, you're stitching it. Kind of, you're you're a little bit surprised at how well your project came out. 
you kind of tend to lose that. I think with you, the more experience you get, because mm-hmm. you you kind of know how it's going to come out. The surprise now is if it doesn't yeah. come out, which happens, which happens. But that was something that was very cool that I kind of miss. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember the first wallet I made. I should. I should. I should bring him in and show you the first wallet I made. It was. Kangaroo's, I'd love to see it. Yeah, it was kangaroo scrap. Actually, no. So the first item that I ever made was I made like key snaps, and I remember I dyed it. Uh, I got this strip of vegetable tan for fifteen dollars, and okay. I got some dye and that sort of stuff and some snaps. Cool. And, you know, the the snaps were they weren't suited for that leather because it was I think it was yeah. Anyway, I made I made a snap the. <laughs> The um, where you snap it in, do you know where you have to punch the, you have to you have to hammer the snap in, that was yeah. all like bented and ah. just absolutely trash, and I think the snap couldn't even like close properly. But because man, I was so happy with it. That's funny. That's <laughs> and, still um, happy with it though. Yeah, and then my my first wallet I made was a minimalist wallet, and I think it took me at least three hours just to do the stitching. Okay. And I was it was just kangaroo black kangaroo scrap. And okay. I was so happy when I when I made it. You know, it was like this is I made this. You know, it's I've, a good feeling. Yeah. Um but yeah, now it's like if if you're you know, doing edge creasing and your edger just like goes like swerves off and you leave the and it's just you know, you, it's not as exciting. So yeah, the the satisfying of the satisfaction of making a horrible product you, you, you don't have that anymore <laughs> that's yeah bro i don't know i've made some i've made some duds lately <laughs> well, so, with the for the videos you know i, yeah. I gotta make one mm-hmm. uh, you know design what we're gonna do then i gotta make one and i've kind of crossed over from doing videos on things that i i, I know how to do i've done them I've, over and over to things that are kind of new territory you know, yeah. so I need to make one, make a pattern, then write down every step. So I make sure I, you know, not making a mistake in the video. And typically that first one not a, doesn't always come out. It doesn't mm-hmm. come out right. Mm-hmm. The reason I say it is I'm working on one now. It's close. I just yeah. need to move some stuff around. But anyway, uh, you know, yeah, in part of the craft fail, you know, on our live is is. I think that kind of was more generated from the fact that let's let the the newer people know that you're going to make mistakes. Mm. It, it is what it is. It's a learning process. Don't beat yourself up over it. Yeah. Even the best, best still make mistakes. It just, mm. it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on like a, on a group and it's, it's the leather crafters and you'll get, you know, occasional people that will post a picture of their first product. And, you know, you see like okay. the stitching's like crooked and it's like, oh yeah, I was, I was there one. I was there. I remember when I was, but it's, it's just perseverance. You just have to, you just got to grind it. Well, especially for that initial stages to get those skills. But yeah, but that's yeah. the thing. Cause like it's, you got, it's not just leather making, you, you know, you go into pattern making, you learn how to, make patterns it's just you learn so much skills it's not just just leather craft it's just a whole array of things you're right and you can pick them up you can pick them up all from your leather craft and yeah a little bit at a time yeah 
So what would be your hobbies outside of leather craft? Because leather craft can be very consuming. How do you step away from it? Weaver set, you know, from 7.30 to about 5, you know, weekdays. Then I go upstairs, eat some dinner, we watch some TV, and then I'm, I come back down and go over to my side of the shop. And I would like to say work on my projects, but I tend to work on Weaver projects, you know, yeah. prepping, you know, for the for the next day. But I, other hobbies, I'm, uh, I'm in model trains, which my dad got me hooked on model railroading when I was, yeah. oh, five years old, I think. And that's, yeah. that's another one of those, you know, hobbies that uh you know can last a lifetime Mm -hmm. but like leather there's just a lot of aspects to it so you can Mm kind of jump around um and camping we do a lot of backpacking and camping so yeah so yeah outside of leather that's (laughs) i thank you for asking we don't much talk about that when we're talking leather but thank you yeah um this will be a good one so uh tips for beginner leather crafters like we can yeah, what would you? It's a, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I know I there's so much information. I, I try to boil it down, you know, to just a perfect statement. You know, just a perfect statement that'll bring, you know, somebody in and 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 have a great time. I would, okay, a couple points. First off, don't buy the most expensive piece of leather when you're starting out, mm-hmm. and there's a big reason behind this. Yeah, um, we sell what's called a belly. And if you want to go in veg, go in the direction of veg tan, a belly is cut off of the main side because when they do that, the main side becomes very usable to belt makers. They don't have a lot of waste. Anyway, the belly is the same tannage, but it's here in the U.S., It's if you drive a truck, it's about half the cost of a tank of gas. Um, the point there is that dive in. Don't freak out over oh, I'm going to waste this piece of leather and there goes 20 bucks, you know, dive in. That's, that's the one thing I think at the top is you dive in, start cutting away and make something cool. And if it isn't perfect, try it again. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also too, here's another point. When you make something and you're typically, like we talked about, you're typically happy with it, but in the back of your mind, maybe think, you know, I'm going to make another one of these, but I'm going to take what I learned here and the next one is going to be a step up or maybe a little different direction in decoration or, but just, yeah, kind of keep in the back of your mind, let's make another step and then another step after that. And a lot too, I think a good point and man, I'm rolling on this one. I'll, but this is a good point. Um, look for something that you want, like, like the briefcase, you know, I, I'd love to have a leather briefcase, I'm not going to spend a thousand bucks. You know, I can learn how to make that out of leather and you will make a great briefcase. So Mm -hmm. some motivation there, you know, kind of look around. What would you like? What do you want to own or what do you want to buy? But maybe it's too expensive. That was what happened with me at the Ren Fair. I couldn't afford any of that beautiful leather. So I had to make my own. Mm -hmm. But that motivated me to get into it. And man, I haven't stopped since. Yeah. Yeah, with the uh, don't buy expensive pieces of leather straight up because it's, yeah, leather can be very expensive. And that's where the scrap leather is so helpful. Oh, you man, know, you yeah. Can, you can buy bags of scrap and 
it's mainly in those initial stages where you're just learning to refine your skills. Like you just want to make sure you're burnishing is right. You're cutting your beveling. Okay. It's just, it's just getting those essential little skills because once you, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, you, you just working with leather. As long as you get those <clears throat> essential skills, right. It just looks beautiful. Like if you get your stitching, right. It's just, yeah. You're exactly right. And every little element is so easy to learn, like mm. learning how to bevel. Yeah. I mean, you can you can learn a beveler or an edger in like two inches. Mm. <laughs> and a, a groover, you learn that in two inches. And a chisel. And, and then you use those on every project, you yeah. know? So you're exactly right. It's, they're, they're, it's a lot of very easy tricks to learn or techniques to learn. But then you use them on everything you do. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, not like another thing as well is, um, oh, my mind just went completely blank. Oh, good. I don't oh. feel bad. <laughs> um, it's been happening a lot lately to me. Yeah. It's like when you, when you have it, on the, when you have it, it's right there, but then you, when you go to pull it out, it just vanishes. <laughs> I did that so much. I keep worrying that that's my age. You know, my age is showing, but yeah, I don't think so. Uh. <laughs> Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Hey, you pointed out with when you make a product, focus on, like, trying to improve it a little bit, like, the next time. Yeah. That, that rings so true. I, I kept all my minimalist wallets that I first one to my, what I design now, and I remember when I was making them, you know, the it was always like, you know, I've got to focus on this, the next wallet, you know, if the edges Ooh. weren't right got to focus on this, if the stitch, then I'll make that wallet, the stitching might not be right. Okay, next one, focus on getting the stitching right. And you sort of, it's, it's almost it like you, you're just trying to, you know that, that game, do you know where the, you have the hammer and like the little weasel pops up and you like smack it, then like another one like pops up. It's sort of... Whack-a-mole. Like, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. But, um, yeah. But here when you whack them, once they stay down. Yeah, but then like another one pops up and it's just... <laughs> That's yeah, yeah it's, you're so right. You just and that's excellent. I'm the, that's what I hope everybody would do is you know on this one, let's think on the next one we're going to clean it up a little bit. And before you know it, you are making top-notch professional mm. products. Yeah. And probably in regards to tools for beginners, what would you like if someone would, they're just seed led the craft and all these different tools, how would yes. you try and narrow it down so it's not as overwhelming it's and it isn't and it shouldn't be um in fact the if you're watching the videos you can see my tool board behind me <laughs> you need about five tools off of that board <laughs> everything yeah. else on that board is fluff but two points all right sales pitch first off we've got a starter kit and the reason i mentioned that well sales pitch but i helped put that together because i have i've seen so many beginner you know um beginner kits um that are so full of stuff you'll never use yeah i don't want to make coasters now one is fun <laughs> here and there but i'm not yeah. looking to make coasters or key fobs yeah. i want to make holsters or belts or purse mm -hmm. or bag or so our kit has no fluff everything in that is stuff you're going to use right off the bat like i said you know our sewing if you want to sew well, job specific. We need a pony. We need some needles. We need our chisels and some thread mm -hmm. um, to do our edge work. We need a groover, a bevel, and a slicker. So 
Um, our starter kit is perfect. Now, okay, stepping away from that because budget, we're crafters. We're we don't look at a height of leather and immediately calculate how much profit we're going to make on the products that we make from that high. That's not our thing. We're looking for the fun side of it. So um, like we talked about, the, the first level is to find. Now, these are probably items you would have in your house, a box knife, a square, and a piece of plywood, something to cut on, okay? Now, what you need to buy, you need to buy your quartz or marble, and you need to buy a revolving punch, and you need to buy a little pack. We sell a little pack. It's 100 rivets and a setter, and it's very inexpensive. Well, now, with what you've got there, you literally are making simple to complex projects. Mm-hmm. And, and now you're rolling. From this yeah. point, it's like we talked about, now you go job specific. You know, if you want to sew, here's a certain set of tools. If you want to set snaps, Right there, we've got a little packet that's got snaps in it. It's mm-hmm. got your setter, your anvil, and your snaps. You're immediately setting snaps. Yeah. Um, so from there, you know, it, you kind of pick your direction. Do we need three or four items? I might say get a mallet because I used a, a metal mallet, a metal hammer when I started yeah. out, and I used it for years. Um, my little setter's a mushroom. That's like a, a four-inch setter's <laughs> now two inches with yeah. a mushroom cap. Um. You can, but but I would say get a poly mallet or a, a rawhide mallet. But also, too, this this is good to interject here. Your quartz, your mallets, your revolving punch, your chisels, you're going to use these for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so you're, the, you're putting the money in the right place so that down the road you can spend the money on leather and not have to rebuy tools or cheap yeah. tools. So... Yeah. That's kind of the point. And then and this goes back again, like even like your mallets, your, bo- your box cutters, your mats, all of those can yep. be found, you know, at home. So that just yeah. eliminates three products that you need to buy. And also, I like what you said as well, because with those little starter kits you can get, um, you, that's when you start off with your, you know, your basic st- uh, stitching, I mean, your stitching chisels and that sort of stuff but then once yep. you once you've developed those skills then you can move on to be okay do i want this the thread thinner like do you want do i want the thread thinner do i want the stitch holes closer further away from each other that's where you can sort of expand make it your own yeah exactly right so that's the you just got to get into the the trenches and do that that first painful <laughs> developing yeah. those skills and then you can just that's where you just expand and with with that bridle leather briefcase you would use um the butt like the butt of the leather you wouldn't use you wouldn't use like the shoulder oh oh either um double shoulder or side okay would be fine yeah or uh, a bend a single bend yeah now something that's kind of a a, an odd point here but it's valid um, a lot of our cuts of leather, and that can be confusing. It's not, we've got a leather video, breaks it down, mm-hmm. nothing confusing about it. But one of the points I make in that is it is the size of our shop. Like if I had if I was working on my table my uh my kitchen table, I couldn't use a side. It's just <laughs> I could. Yeah. Huge. Like, yes, right. Whereas a double shoulder I can. 
you know, it's about half the size, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, so the double shoulders are great. A single bend, that's going to be, be a piece maybe 30 inches wide by maybe 60 inches long, but it's kind of mm-hmm. rectangular. So, yeah, you might not. Man, it's you know what? It's up to your wallet. It really is. It's up to your budget. Uh, a double shoulder is going to be about 12, 13, 14 square feet. Um, where a side's going to be 24, 25, maybe even a little bit larger. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay more per foot to quantity deal. You know, the bigger the piece, the less you pay per foot. But if you've got a piece of leather you just simply can't use because it's too big, well, no matter what you you know paid for it, it's not of a help. So, yeah. man, mm-hmm. I think, you know, double shoulder would be ample. You could probably okay. make two out of that. Okay. So and you have your shoulder. length, too, with a double shoulder. You still have length. So uh, 55 inches, maybe, maybe somewhere in there. So you have ample room for strapping. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was just you had to use the bend, but thanks for that because, yeah, the, the, the leather can – the leather, um, the, uh, the, the different leather parts can be very confusing. Yeah. Look up the leather element and it's, uh, I think it's simply called cuts of leather, but yeah. we look at every cut of leather. It'll make okay. perfect sense. It'll make perfect sense. So, um, uh, go ahead. So, so are you sure the double shoulder would be long enough to have, make a briefcase like that? Would, yeah. Let me do. Okay. What are your dimensions? What do you think in height? Oh, I don't know the dimensions off the top of my head. Okay. Um, no, I, that's I, all right. We can do. Um, let's say we. Uh, let's say your face is going to be thirteen. Let's say thirteen inches long. Let's say you've got a three-inch gusset, thirteen on the back, three-inch gusset, and maybe, maybe nine-inch flap. So let's see, 26, 32, 40. Yeah, it would be long enough. Okay. And you'd now, go horizontal? You'd go horizontal? You'd cut it horizontal? Yeah, go, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, lengthwise. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because yeah. you, you should get about 40. You should get about 50. I'm thinking about 50 to 55 inches on mm-hmm. a double shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, because when you do cut leather, do you have to cut it with the the way the grain is, or not really? That's not a huge thing. It's a good question. A good question. The old school belt makers want to cut their belt across the hide. That's mm-hmm. why double shoulder. That's why there is a double shoulder because that cuts across the hide. They say that a belt cut along the length of the hide. Is going to have more stretch to it. Okay. In my experience, with a quality piece of leather, the stretch lengthwise is so minimal that I don't think I've ever noticed it. I don't think it matters. I I've never I've never gone by that rule of thumb. Okay. Yeah, because usually the the when the bends you get the one that I have you have I have to go vertical with it because obviously it's too small horizontal. just for size yeah yeah but I, yeah i don't think I've, I've noticed that maybe i think i think they do i think i've heard that they do stretch but like an inch or something like that but when when you're when you when you're punching five holes 
it's it's not a big issue anyway. Yeah, if you've got a, you know, a side can be eight feet long. Mm-hmm. Um, if you cut a one-inch strap eight feet long and attach a horse to it, it's going to stretch, you know. But kind of for us, you know, belts and whatnot, there might be some stretch, and it might even be over over time. But it's kind of unnoticeable, it, at least it, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. So you don't really need to worry about that? I, it, as long as you have a quality tannage, yeah, I think your worry there is minimal at most. Like, what's the difference between harness and bridle leather? Because I was thinking of making a wallet with harness leather because I just like the shine to it. And because you can get it quite thin to two to three ounce. Yeah, harness, think of pulling a horse. Okay. That's exactly, it's a very dense, a stiff, typically a pretty stiff leather. It doesn't make a great belt. Now, you know, a girth strap on a horse, yeah, but it's, harness is, it's made to pull, you know, it's made for strength. So, I might see if I couldn't get a a swatch, you know, of what you're, of what you're wanting to use first, because that might deter you right off the bat. Okay, so don't worry about it. But don't let don't take my opinion on that. Yeah. At least get a, at least get your hands on something, you know, so yeah. you can feel it, the body, the texture. Um, yeah, don't write it off on my opinion. Okay, it was like a navy blue, and I thought that looked really nice. But uh, I, I was tossing up to get to get it just to make a wallet with it. But yeah, I thought uh-huh. I'd just ask the difference <clears throat> if there was a difference between harness and bridle. Yeah, it's a pretty noticeable difference, but yeah. still. Man, see if they can get you a swatch or yeah. ah, if there's a video of them using it or explaining it, just so you can see the body, you know, just yeah. to, just so you can get a better feel for it. Um, yeah. Yeah, because um, I have the belt leather that I use. That's from, uh, what's his name? Thomas, Thomas Ware and Sons. They're from in the UK. And they have okay. like a beautiful sheen to it. But when I bought the Wicked and Craig bridle leather, it was sort of a matte finish. Is there a reason why two different bridle leathers look completely different? Like one's a shine, one's a matte? Um, it probably it should be designated from the tannery that it's okay. got a gloss to it or it's got a burnish to it. Um, maybe, maybe not necessarily, but it's probably just different tanneries. Yeah, okay. Or they okay. might be. Uh, they might be polishing it in house. I oh well, oh well. The actually the bridal leather from the UK bridal leather has the wax finish on it, so that's probably okay. why. That's probably okay. why it's a lot more shinier. Yeah, and it's probably pretty too. Oh, it's it's so. I have to show you a belt that I'm. I just love it when I wear it. It's just especially okay. belt belt these days. You go to the retail shops and they're just shocking. Oh. You know, it's just. And yeah, the quality is not there. Mm. Yeah. How to glue two pieces together. So should you glue both, um, like if you have both flesh sides and then glue them together or just glue one and then put the other one to, on, a, on top of it? It, depend, it depends on your glue. Like with yeah. the white glue, you just need glue on one side. With okay. contact cement, you need glue on both sides. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of the old rule is is um, white to tack, um, 
contact for permanent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because do you have to wait for the white glue to dry as much or not really? A little dry time. Yeah, it's okay. really good. But it does, I might say, give it, you know, 10 minutes. And it wouldn't hurt, too, if you, like, laid a heavy weight on top of whatever's yeah. gluing to kind of to force it. But at the same time, if you're trying to glue onto a top grain, that's just tough for any glue. Um, yeah, you have to scratch it out. Yeah, rough it a bit. You're rough it. That's just, man, I'm, it's so hard to do on your face leather because you can't get a sixteenth of an inch off your line or mm -hmm. you're going to see it, you know? Yeah. So, like, actually, what I'm talking about there is, like, say you're gluing a pocket on, on the mm -hmm. face. You're going to glue it and then chisel and sew. Man, it's just a rougher. It's just an imperfect tool and mm -hmm. a dangerous one, too. <laughs> We, you just use a scratch all. That's what I usually use or an all. Yeah, so, okay, yeah, okay. Um, just cut through that top grain. That's all you need. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a, so I've had struggle with this one. So beveling on two to three, so beveling both sides on two to three ounce is quite difficult with a beveler. Um, especially with pockets. So if you're making pockets which are two to three ounce, uh, should you bevel both sides or should you just leave it? Because I've noticed that tr trying to bevel yeah. both sides is like one side's fine. It's just the other yeah. side's hard to do. Because now it's weak. Yeah. You don't have the body behind it. Man, there is no great, it's age-old problem because your tool, you've got to have tool below, you know, and the, the, that, the right side of the fork on the end of an edger has got to be there. Uh, but it's always thicker than the leather. So you just run along the edge of the table and nothing happens. Mm. Man, the only thing I can suggest there, and it's a little bit of a headache, but it does work, is to put a piece of eight to nine ounce under what you're beveling, and yeah, then you'll yeah. bevel like a champ. Now, curves and things like that get to be a little complicated. Do I have to cut an eight to nine ounce to match my bin or my curve or whatnot? Man, there's just... That's the only thing I got is to just raise that up, leather up a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, I think you, you're right, too. Don't bevel the back, just the front. Yeah, yeah. Because what I usually do, I hang mine off the edge of the the marble. And that, oh, that, nice. That can give you enough strength just to um, get the top. But it's just the, the back side. When, you, when, you're, when you're beveling uh, the back, because yeah. you make it so thin, it's the beveler struggles to get um to get it so yeah age-old common problem and <laughs> you know with no great answer yeah uh, that's that's uh, that's right um so that they're done with all the questions um so thanks thanks for that truck for coming on with all your knowledge it's been such a help Man, it's just been an absolute pleasure to be here. I've enjoyed every minute of this. No, thank you. Hopefully I can talk to you. Hopefully I can talk to you again in the future. I'll look forward to it. I absolutely will.